Hi, uh, my name is Seraphine Phoenix, and um, today we're going to talk about some of the things that I've experienced in my life. And uh, trigger warning, there will be talk about um, addiction, uh, mental and physical abuse, suicide. Um, ooh. <laughs> Um, I, th I think I think that that touches everything mm. kind of that is, <laughs> that is definitely a lot uh, to talk about today thanks for listening everyone this is my uh, first attempt at doing a podcast I am um, just as inexperienced as you could imagine but uh, the most important thing is to have fun I suppose so my idea was to interview people who have unusual um, and interesting life stories and I yeah I mean from what you've just told me you definitely suit the criteria for that and uh, well I was just really curious about your experience I know it's probably a lot I think the best thing that we, we could do is uh, you know just start at the beginning I guess from from when were when you were young I guess yeah all right so I guess it all started like the day I was born, <laughs> literally, <laughs> because um, when I was born, my mom was going like she was about to be sent to prison. So mm -hmm. and so was my dad, like he was already in prison at the time. So when I was three days old, my grandparents and my um, like my great aunt and uncle adopted me. So, like, abandonment issues are through the roof. <laughs> so, but, so um, <clears throat> your parental figures in this case were the people who adopted you, or? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. My father was never really, like, active in my life at all. And I, I'm actually really glad for that. He's not a good influence at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Mm -hmm. so how come that um i guess he was being held in jail at the time yeah he had an extensive like criminal history as it was and still is growing <laughs> that list but he i want to say it was like uh maybe a drug charge or something mm -hmm. and the same with my mom like that's what they were going in for Mm. And so, like, they neither ne neither one of them really had a choice, but still it was their choice to do what they did to not be able to be in my life. That's how I feel about it, at least. I mean, uh, I suppose that that is, that is a complicated situation, right? I mean, I do think that, like, everybody is accountable for their actions. So it's, it's, it's a reason. It's not a justification. But I do wonder, like, when you're at the point where I guess you are pregnant and your husband is going to jail, everything that has led up to that point has already kind of, like, I think consolidated. I don't know. So do you mind, um, do you mind sharing, like, uh, how your, your parents' circumstances were at that moment? Because I'm kind of curious about that, if that makes sense. Um, like, my mom said that they had, like, paid 
to have like the treatments or uh, I'm not really sure how it works, but the fertility like mm. things, she was going to doctor visits and stuff like that. So they, that she could get pregnant with me because they were having trouble before. So she says that I was wanted, you know, and stuff like that. I was planned, but then I, I just don't understand how you can say that. And then also be selling you know drugs or whatever while you're literally weeks away from giving birth hmm. well and the, mm-hmm. i think the what um what mood what would be an important detail here i guess is where they selling or were they also using substances mm, i obviously was not there well, well yeah <laughs> I, I know I, what i know what they have told me my father was was using and selling and doing i don't even know what else but <laughs> i probably don't want to know but my mother as far as i know was only selling mm-hmm. but the, 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 the reason I guess the reason I'm curious about the distinction, because I, I think that the, if you're at a point where you're also a user, mm-hmm. then it's then more difficult to, I guess, break out of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you're dependent you on substance. Like yeah. You have that relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of becomes like habitual. <laughs> well, yes, but, unfortunately. Yeah. But the fam, the people that adopted me was my uh, by blood, my great uncle. Mm-hmm. Like technically, <laughs> but I called him dad, obviously, and I grew up with him and his wife and their children. Mm-hmm. And when, like, when I was born, one of their sons was shot and killed. So, like, I was, I was, like, I was a little older, mm-hmm. like, but I don't really remember him. But, but like, that was, I think that really marked the beginning of a lot of things that would happen later because mm-hmm. it was really like a shift in the family, like uh, that, and then having a, a baby come in. Mm-hmm totally unexpected just kind of threw everything like sideways which Mm -hmm. is understandable but um so then when I was growing up it was me and then my two other brothers and my sister Mm -hmm. and I would see my grandma which was my mom's mom like every other day she couldn't she couldn't adopt me because she had like seizures so they said she wasn't fit, you know, to take care of a baby. <clears throat> so, Epilepsia. Um, kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'd go over there sometimes, and I'd, I was back and forth between, like, one household and the other, pretty much. And gr- even growing up, I didn't really speak to my dad at all. And I hardly remember seeing him. And then my mom, she tried to keep in touch. You know, she'd write me letters. I wouldn't read them after a while, like, because they didn't keep it from me. 
that you know that she was my mom or anything like they told me like pretty much what was going on and I think that that put me at a disadvantage because it made me become mature so much faster I feel like because that made me start thinking you know oh I don't have a mom and dad like these other kids you know where you did you also have more uh, responsibility you think as a child or yeah because to take care of the like we live in a poverty area so to take care of the four children that they had then mm -hmm. it they were both working like all the time and my grandparents like well my grandma was on disability so then that's not a whole lot of money either <laughs> so money was pretty tight like but they made sure we had what we needed and they didn't do what my mother tried to justify and say, oh, well, I was doing what I had to to get, you know, the things that you needed, which is how she justifies, you know, how when she got arrested. Oh, so well, basically in her justification is she was trying to make money to raise you? Yes. Mm hmm but instead of say working you know like the family that i went to live with that's the route that she chose mm -hmm. and the route that she chose led to you know the consequences well so the thing is you know um obviously i i don't know these people so for, for me it's hard to to judge but like i am curious about the you know the, the circumstances that have led up to that point you know because yeah, like it. It's just that after, because on with my like, I don't consider really my mom's other children or my dad's other children because he has so many. He has like a dozen <laughs> children. I swear, mm -hmm. like not even exaggerating. But my mom had two other children besides me, and that's like my half sister, my half brother. But like I'm the oldest mm -hmm. in that group. And so she had two other children after me, but she still had other charges as well, like after she served that one sentence. So she got out and she had um, my brother, you know, she ended up going back in. She got back out. She had my sister. She was out. She stayed out for a little bit, but then she ended up going back in and she did 10 consecutive year, like years because it was her third strike. Also, so, was it also like drug charges, I suppose? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there were three related charges. Like, <laughs> so she made the same mistake basically three times with all three children. Mm. So I feel like, you know, she's out now and she's just <sighs> the jail system does something to a person like you get institutionalized mm -hmm. and it just changes the way a person thinks and like when she first got out and stuff things like cell phones even like iphones she that was like just crazy she didn't really, really get it yeah she was really confused she still gets confused <laughs> that's actually really interesting to think about you know because the funny thing about the, the prison system is you imagine that the, the point of punishing someone, well, it's, it's not supposed to be a punishment. It's supposed to, you know, 
be a rehabilitation uh, exactly sort of thing. It's, it's supposed to you know prepare someone to reintegrate into society and mm-hmm. then and then you hear like somebody for for 10 uh, for 10 years has been deprived of all the you know technological and socio-economic developments in society and gets thrown back to the street while clueless like that sounds so yeah. co- counterproductive doesn't it like what's the yeah. point yeah yeah <laughs> I should know that uh, note that I, I am in Northern Europe in the Netherlands. So for here, it's I th- here is wildly different. Is yeah, the United American States. prison system and just justice system in period, uh, in period <laughs> justice mm-hmm. justice system period is really just not where it needs to be at all. Well, I do know you have one of the highest incarceration rates in the whole world. So. That's yeah. what I know. So it yeah. Doesn't, definitely doesn't seem like it's like tackling any systematic issues. So that that's why I was kind of curious, you know, because the story, it kind of starts uh, at the beginning point of your parents. But I wonder if, you know, if there are parallels between their and your upbringing in a way, because, you know, usually it is also a little bit like a, like a cycle. I, I, it sounds like I'm making assumptions here, right? I could be wrong. But like mm-hmm. very, very generalized, this is what you often see, right? It's, it can be like a multi-generational thing. Yeah, like a lot of, I won't say a lot, but quite a few of my relatives, like my family has a history of things like addiction and stuff. And so in turn, a lot of them have ended up in jail at one point in time. But the immediate family I was with who were like, like I said, they were like my great uncle, my great, you know, and my grandma, stuff like that. They're the older generation. Mm-hmm. So fewer of them were going in and out of jail, basically. But some of them were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, the family that I was staying with, they, they were, they wanted me to excel, you know, they wanted me to do well. And I did for a good bit. Like I was through school. I went into the AP classes in high school. I went into college classes when I was in high school. So I got, I had college credits and stuff while I was still a high school student. So if I would have gone to college, which I did not, spoiler alert, <laughs> mm-hmm. then I would have been like two years ahead and I would have finished two years earlier than I would have had I not done it. Mm-hmm. And that was all well and good, but like, like I said, the family I was living with, the, the, my parents, they work constantly trying to pay for the house and, you know, make sure that we had the things that we wanted and the things that we needed. And so my siblings from that family (laughs) would, they would raise me basically, you know, they'd babysit me, stuff like that. So I was really really super duper close with them like super close and this is where the mention of suicide starts basically um when I was 15 in October I was getting up for school one day and like I heard like yelling outside and I thought maybe it's the cats maybe like something jumped on the dog So I walked outside and my brother had like committed suicide. He hung himself in our front yard. So 
like from that point that was another shift like where it you could really tell there was like a change in like the whole family just it was like a ripple effect i can i totally imagine that is really heavy and yeah I, how, how old was your brother at the time um uh, uh my memory is really bad <laughs> um I want to say 20, 29, maybe 28. Mm -hmm. It's like 20s, late 20s. And you were? I was 15. Very young still. Yeah. And it was at a very weird time in my life because I was like um, at, at that weird puberty-ish stage or whatever trying to figure stuff out kind of wanting to be independent a little you know and the friends that I had at the time uh weren't the best at all weren't a good support system like they knew my brother but they didn't come to the funeral or anything they weren't really there for me and we got in a falling out shortly before that happened mm -hmm. so they didn't really support me like when I really super duper needed it and like I have seen times like where they had messaged other people saying oh well she's she doesn't deserve love but then they turn around and address the fact that I was acting out the way that I was and like being a real bitch to people because I didn't know how to cope I didn't know like mm -hmm. how to deal with what I was feeling. I didn't have anyone to talk to. So oh, well, I would just to, lash out. To be fair, you you were 15. So, you know, I, I think that's um, that's a lot of expectation for 15-year-old to conduct yourself properly, you know, in, that, in times like that. And I don't know, make, make a judgment based on that, whether or not they deserve support. I, yeah. I think that can be expected of a child, really, because that's what you are at that age. Yeah, but like after that, um, I my dad kind of like he became withdrawn more than he was before, and um, he had gotten a divorce mm -hmm. from his wife, and she ended up getting married like not too long after that, and I don't talk to her like at all now, and it. It used to be like whenever it was my birthday, I'd come home from school or something and I'd have like a bed full of gifts. Like even though we didn't have the money, like I'd still, you know, be I'd be shown that I was loved and stuff like that. I'd be taken care of. And then it went from that to like just nothing. Like no contact. And it felt like. I was being sort of like abandoned all over again, like with my birth mother. Because that's how I feel like, I feel like she abandoned me, you know? I mean. Because like you made the choice. Yeah. To not make contact. I mean, it is abandonment. Mm -hmm. That's just how I saw it, you know? And um, a lot of people like will disagree and like they try to get me to talk to my mom 
And to be honest, I did try. I did try. Like my birth mother, I did try when she got out. But she's been institutionalized. And I can't speak for what she was like before the prison system. But I know that now she's like this manipulative person that I just cannot stand to be around. She lies and like she mooches off of people and she's just like a lazy human being and I just can't do it. <laughs> so, but do you think that like um i don't know i'm 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 not saying that like everybody who behaves that way um is is uh like shaped that way but i feel like the majority of people who act like that probably also had to deal with their own trauma maybe in their life and i'm not saying yeah. that i'm not saying that this is an excuse right and i know some some people are are born a certain way where they I guess cannot provide for people or or, or be responsible, but I, I think in a lot of cases this is also the result of things that they went through. Not always, yeah. not always, but in the majority of cases, you know. So that's why I'm so curious about um, what my family suffers from, like a lot of um, mental like things, like my mom has bipolar disorder and so do I and like it's she but the difference between me and her is she uses like things like her bipolar to make the actions that she you know does like justifiable or she'll be like oh it's because I'm bipolar you know you forgive me but you have to take accountability at some point that's true and she does not want to take accountability ever she's no that's just not <laughs> like an avenue she's willing to take i mean it's, and it's it's hard if you have lived a life like that uh to you know the moment you start taking accountability for the things that you've done it also means you have to swallow the the very bitter pill, I guess that yeah you, that that you know you you probably regret most of the actions that you've done mm -hmm. in your life, and I feel like psychologically that's that's not something that most people are capable of, you know, of saying yeah. to, saying to themselves, "I am unhappy with my life because of what I've done." That's actually a very difficult thing to admit to yourself, right? Yeah, you so, you always want someone else to blame. Well, yeah, people will just, well, I, I think they will usually just double down on their denial. Yeah. Of the, they'll find a way to cope or even not think about it. Like how many, yeah. how many people do you meet that have made a lot of mistakes in life, but are also just open about the fact that they were mistakes, you know, that it exists, but it's, yeah, it is really rare because Psychologically, like yeah, it is is really hard to deal with you in general. I think just the idea that like I fucked up in my life, you know. How yeah, do you and I feel like that's part of the reason why like I felt so inclined to like reach out to you when you said that you were doing this because like it's okay to say I fucked up. <laughs> exactly. Is. Like you don't have to make excuses for it. Just say I fucked up. 
and like don't say it's because of this like you just fucked up period and i agree be genuine about it you know you got to be a genuine person in life yeah, or you're just gonna be stuck with like these shitty ingenuine people i mean it it applies uh, if you look at the big picture too right as a i mean as a society we fucked up too right but i yeah. feel like we will never get to a point of improving issues like these which are very much systematic i guess without you know looking in the mirror and telling ourselves that we fucked up too because stories like this are common i've talked to so many people who you know experience things like these but it feels like we're we're trying to wipe it under the carpet like it doesn't exist and i think that's contributing to the fucked upness of everything doesn't it yeah kind of does yeah it just becomes like a cycle so how come you and are no how come you it. are so so open about all of this i i wonder because i'm not um, sure i'm not sure if i would be capable of that if, if i went through all these <laughs> things to be honest well like i was like i felt like i was alone for a really really long time and that put me in like a really dark place and it made me feel like i wasn't really worth a lot so in doing that i started like partaking in destruct self-destructive behaviors mm -hmm. and that led to me being in a relationship for almost two years with like a guy that would abuse me on the daily so like so at which age are we are we talking now because where we left off you were 15 right so this was i'd say it wasn't even a year after my brother died mm -hmm. that i got with this guy I see. And so I didn't have friends, you know, to sit there and be like, hey, that guy is a piece of shit. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't date that guy. <laughs> so I did it and he would love bomb me, you know, but then beat the shit out of me the next day. He mm. drank. He was older than I was. And he wanted to get me pregnant. What? At 16, and he wanted me to drop out of high school. Yes. Seriously? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> it was really bad, and his family was even worse. Like, they were they were on board with it. They were they wanted it. Like, wow, it was really? That, yeah, it was obvious that they had, like, put that in his head, that that was the way to go. You have to wonder how common guys like that are, to be honest. It, it, where I'm from, it's pretty common because of it's like a religion type thing, you know. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be barefoot and pregnant, you know, like housewife <sighs> thing. That's why. I, that's, that's why I bring up uh, the buzzword systematic a million times. But like this is a systematic. It's just freaking ingrained, you know. In I guess in culture, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too deeply into it, but. That's how I feel. Like, I'm from like the South in America where people like voted for Trump and yeah. like they still have their Trump flags up. And like, even the town that I'm from, which I'm mm -hmm. obviously not going to name, but its nickname that it's known for is like linked back to like the, uh, the war <laughs> mm -hmm. 
There were? And yeah. Where they were fighting for, you know, rights of, to have slaves. That one. The oh, Civil War. Yeah. I understand. Which we, we lost, but that does not stop them from waving, you know, the Confederate flag outside. Ah, yes, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard about it. I've, I've actually, I don't think I've ever met those people in real life because once again, I'm in Northern Europe. So, yeah, I you know find, trying to make a mental image of this is <laughs> it's interesting to me. I'm learning as well, you know, but I, yeah, I, I've heard about um, I've heard about it. Yeah. The yeah, the name of my town is literally based off like stuff that happened then basically like it's named after one of the guys who was like fighting to have slaves mm -hmm. <laughs> and oh. is known for a lot of racial prejudice and stuff like that and i'm biracial so like, um oh what's the community like there like is it i don't know it feels strange to divide it into black and white but now now i'm curious is it like minority yeah, I guess, I'm uh, definitely a minority. Like when I was younger, I was in a, a private school, not public. So mm -hmm. they were trying to, you know, shove the Bible down my throat and stuff like that. And I was around kind of more privileged kids and um, because they could pay to go there, you know. Was it, by the way, was it your father or um, your mother? Because you said you are biracial. So I imagine mm -hmm. you are maybe part uh, African-American. Is that true? Yeah, my father is, ah. yeah, and my mom is white, yeah. Ah, I see. And and um, this is uncommon in your area? Um, It's it's not, uh, I won't say it's uncommon, but we I'm are Sorry if that's a strange question, I'm, I'm just curious because, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to word it because, like, mm -hmm. um, the majority of the population here is white, like, in, in the surrounding towns are white, but there are like it's almost like we're segregated a little because there will be like uh the section eight housing which is like the government housing and stuff like that um that's kind of where the black people live usually mm -hmm. and then there will be like trailer parks or something where the mexicans will live and then you know it's, it's stuff like that. Like, you'll usually see the white people in their nicer houses, and that's so, just how it is. So it's you feel like it's segregated? It seems that way a little bit, yeah. Because mm -hmm. there's people who have, like, mommy and daddy's money, you know, with the big trucks and, the, you know, four-wheelers, stuff like that, who are just rednecks, I would say, <laughs> mm. who go hunting, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm generalizing, but it's just what I've experienced. Those are the people who tend to be the most racist. Mm -hmm. Like, I have definitely had multiple occasions where I have got into altercations, whether it be verbal or whatever, like with people at school and my sister, even when she uh, when she, you know, was in the high school, like my biracial sister, mm -hmm. she would experience people calling her the N-word and stuff like that. And then they would have no repercussions. Ouch. It's kind of like, you know, you're thrown to the wolves, basically. Well, I'm sitting here commenting as a European guy, but to me, 
you know, my impression, at least from what I see on social media, is there is a lot of, I guess, um, polarization in the USA, you know, because the, the way that uh, for me is the most easy usually to identify Americans is I definitely notice they they form like usually these subcultures of, uh, you know, that are usually based on, I guess, your your identity. Does that make sense? Yeah, and like people want to group you based on. Yeah, it happens here too in Europe. Like I'm I'm not saying that here everything is perfect, right? It's it's a it's a pretty normal thing to look at someone, and you know, you kind of want to generalize. Yeah, you you kind of want want to figure out like where they're from, what's their background, what's their culture. But I do feel like you guys are definitely the king of doing it, and maybe sometimes a little bit too strongly, you know. Maybe it's because yeah. of, maybe it's because <laughs> I feel like a lot of Americans are disillusioned and a collective they don't really have like a collective identity so they will kind of you know segregate themselves into like liberal republican um, you know white african american etc not that yeah. there, not that there's uh, something um, innately wrong with doing that I guess because it also makes you more visible and it's a way to connect to people who are I guess, share your experiences. But mm-hmm. it, it does feel like it is, you know, it is so strong sometimes. That's my observation as just a generic European white guy. But that's what I see uh, if I look <laughs> at America. That's what I think. Yeah, like when all the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff were going on, like I I went to some of the, you know, the rallies and the protests, the movement, you know. And one of the ones that I went to was, it was a city or two away, like a bigger city, because the one I'm from is really super small. Like population, maybe, I think less than Mm 20,000. Like real small. And um, when I went to the protests, I would notice that because I was not completely black, even because I was lighter skinned, that some people would kind of, you know, look at me kind of funny, like, even if they were black. Mm-hmm. And we, ex- oh, it was so bad, like, because we were, of course, doing the demonstrations, like, on sidewalks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we had gotten, like, permission from the police to have a moment where they would, you know, stop traffic and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, we would have a moment of silence. And it was for, like, as long as it took for them to uh for the cop to have um sorry (laughs) to asphyxiate that man and that's all it was like it was supposed to be one of those moments and yes that that was that was in the news here too uh it was it was floyd right that you're talking about Mm -hmm. yes 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 and so but during the one that we did some woman thought that i guess she was too important you know (laughs) to sit there and wait Mm -hmm. and she tried to like go around and like go through the intersection that they were doing it at and the cop you know had to stop her and like make her go back but like we were experiencing like verbal abuse from people on the like on the road from their cars and shit like they would throw stuff whatever uh, by the way by the way i hate to interject but zoom is going to cut the call in one minute we have to make a new one because every, four, oh, okay. every 14 minutes, we have to make a new one, all right? 
All right. <laughs> let, me, let me enter it and we'll continue. I'll, I'll cut this out so it sounds like one conversation, right? So people won't hear this, but I, I'll make a new uh, meeting for a second. All right. Hi. And we're back uh, to the people listening. Sorry for the interruption. We are using the free version of Zoom, which means that every 14 minutes we're getting kicked out. Sorry if that interrupts the flow of the conversation, but it is what it is. This is a new podcast, so I haven't immediately gotten the business uh, version of Zoom uh, yet. But let's continue where we left off, right? So we were talking about, um, oh, you were around 16, right? And mm -hmm. you got into a relationship that, well... Yeah, was not, was not great at all. <laughs> that's, um, a, that's a way to put it, yeah? Yeah, the, the best way, probably. Mm -hmm. um, the nicest way. Um, the guy was a little bit older than me and he had mostly been homeschooled. <clears throat> so like, and he was from a few cities away. So like, I wasn't aware of who he was, but like some of the people in town knew who he was and they knew he was a bag of shit. <laughs> but like you I knew. said, <laughs> yeah, like you knew and you didn't tell me <laughs> like, I had, you know, pissed a few people off by this time. You know, I was lashing out. I was trying to fight people. I was just unhinged <laughs> mm -hmm. and full of rage. And like, I, so no one told me, no one warned me really that this guy was going to be a huge bag of shit. And so I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but it happened. And the guy would like drink and just he didn't want to work I was having to work I was working at Taco Bell I was getting paid minimum wage while still going to school <laughs> mm -hmm. this, is, this is really off topic but I've never had mm -hmm. Taco Bell I just had to put it out there okay let's proceed <laughs> I, I don't remember the last time I've had it honestly uh, yeah well but <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time talking about Taco Bell, but once again, you know, yeah. you're European. <laughs> <Not sponsored. laughs> yeah. But, um, like, he would do nice things sometimes. Like, when I was at work, he would bring me, say, like, flowers or something. And everybody Aww. would be like, oh, I'm so jealous. You know, I wish my boyfriend would do that. And I'd be like, yeah, but does he, like, threaten you with a gun? Like, when you're at home? <laughs> I doubt it. Mm. But that's the type of person that he was like he shouldn't have had a gun but he did somehow because that's just how stuff happens here sometimes in america <laughs> and it was it was a terrifying time honestly like i'm laughing but like it, it was really scary i have to like make jokes about it you know yeah that's it's, it's really hard to like like not let yourself be drugged down when you think about it for a while mm -hmm. but that's why i just kind of you know try to laugh about it because some of it is just ridiculous like mm -hmm. i if i hadn't lived through it i would not believe it probably <laughs> i mean i i feel like you know being able to joke about it maybe that's one of the best ways to grieve you know i feel like too many people, uh, when you go through bad things in life, it, pe some people have all their experience from like soap series and they think that you have to be stereotypical, stereotypically sad about it or depressed. But like if you are able to joke yeah. about it, like 
by all means, that's, that is not a disturbing thing. I'd say that's a, you know, that's then you're like in more in the advanced stages, maybe even of, uh, you know, being able to talk yeah. about. But um, like at this point, I have had since 2015 to process a lot of things, like I a lot of imagine. things. Mm -hmm. and so hell i'm gonna laugh about it <laughs> like i've i've been the one processing it i can laugh about it <laughs> you should absolutely but um so the relationship like was very shitty and he would try to make me stop taking like the birth control that i was on so i would have to like secretly go to my appointments and like still be on it wow. and he would be like why are you not getting pregnant and i'm like i don't know <laughs> who knows but at the same time his parents wanted us to get married like to live in their house or whatever yeah and I, mean, I, I feel like that's almost entrapment, you know, because the moment that you get like a young girl like that pregnant, what other options does she have? You know, she can't leave. I feel yep. like, I feel like that's, kind, that's kind of the point, isn't it? You know, get her pregnant young. Yeah. I mean, and then you got, a, girl, you really got a girlfriend know. for life, right? Yeah. When she doesn't really know, you know, what's going on. It's really like my, I know that at that time I was really, really gullible, really easily manipulated. Like, he cheated on me several times. I mean, and... the, the fact that you secretly went out to get birth control is probably, like, one of the most uh, best judgments you could have, right? Because Yeah, like, and so, that so, was... So, so maybe there was a part of you that didn't fall for it. Even, even that, like, small things like that was basically me risking my life to a degree. Because if he had found out, I'm... I would have gotten the shit beaten out of me. Mm. Like, and his parents, like, I knew that I did not want to end up like his parents because they, like, she had gotten pregnant very young and, like, now they're devout Christians or whatever, but they don't sleep together because, you know, they cheated on each other so much when they were wow. younger and they, yeah, there's just that distrust. To be fair, they that's, don't that's get a very Christian thing to do in general. So yeah. yeah. And they still go to church, you know, as a family, quote mm. unquote, but she would sleep on the couch and he would sleep in the bed. Mm. Very traditional. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so they wanted us to get married and like it got to the point where he did take me to the courthouse and we did get like the certificate thing, like paid for it, but like oh. it didn't get signed. So it wasn't official. No, no, super, no, super sweet 16 or <laughs> <laughs> I, I did actually. He, Oh my. Yeah. I, I don't think he was at, at it. No, he, he wasn't at it. Mm -mm. Thank God. It was a very odd time at the sweet 16 too, but that's, <laughs> that's just weird <laughs> but um yeah I was with him almost two years and then I finally left but I was like in fear for my life basically so so so, so, so how did you like how did you what how did you gather the courage to leave in the first place because I wonder oh uh, it took like 
uh, I started, you know, going over to my grandma's more often. He, he had kept me like pretty, like kept away from my family, like isolated. And then, like I said, his parents didn't want us like sleeping together unless we were married and I wasn't doing that. So we were having to sleep in my car. <laughs> oh, like on the side of the road sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I do. And so I started going to my grandma's more often so that I could have like a bed to sleep in and stuff like that. And <clears throat> one of my cousins was staying with her at the time and hanging out with her. Like, you know, she was like, hey, maybe, maybe the life we're living right now with that guy isn't so good. You know, I hate that guy. He's a piece of shit. He's a real piece of shit. <laughs> But he gave you flowers. Right, he gave me flowers. <laughs> It's not like he put a gun to my head later. Who, what? Right? Who cares? <laughs> the he flowers. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like once it progressed past the point where he would put his hands on me, and I would start to get physical, like in return, or like try to be defensive. Yeah. Then it escalated. He was like, okay, and he got like it started out with like knives, and then it went to guns. Which he wasn't even old enough to buy. <laughs> I mean, and um, I don't think so, you can get worse than that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and mix it like, with the alcohol and you, just you, you can bring yeah. out you can bring out something worse than a gun, gun, but it doesn't matter at that point, you know. Yeah, uh, but um, and yeah. the town that he lived in only had like thirteen cops, I think, on their task force. Hmm. and they like he was friends with the sheriff so wasn't really anything gonna happen there really and yeah and the night that i left like he had like kicked me in the rib so hard like he had like fractured my rib oh my god his mom watched him slap a nose ring my nose ring like straight out of my nose and when i hit him back She was like, oh, I see how it is. <laughs> What? I was like, well, that, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> but wow. I, I think we've, we were already far past sense at this point, but damn. Yeah. <laughs> that night, I ended up leaving and I got my grandpa to go with me like back up there to that city, to the police station to like, you know, report it or whatever. And the cop asked me, they were like, are you sure you're not just going to go back? Like, and they made it seem like it would be a problem for me to like even place a report or to get a restraining order. They said I didn't have enough proof. Basically, mm. like I didn't have a ground to stand on to like get one. So uh, this is. Okay, this sounds so outlandish. I obviously had no care for my own, you know, being. So when I was in fear for my life, which yes. that sounds contradictory, even it is, it's literally the opposite, but still, <laughs> I went out on a limb and there was this guy that I had met online on Omegle out of all places. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yes, that, that's where healthy relationships start, right, Omega? 
right before I had gotten into the relationship like before my brother had even died I met him like long time like ago Mm -hmm. and I had seen him I talked to him since then I felt like he was kind of an okay bet to not be a serial killer you know, or a sex yeah, trafficker I mean, yeah, or you, anything. Yeah, yeah, you have to have some standards, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, and he lived a state away. And I had never really, like, driven out of state by myself or anything. Like, and I was 18, like, just graduated and stuff, like, when I had left the guy. Mm-hmm. So I called Omegle Dude, and I was like, hey. <laughs> You want to hang out? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he'll <laughs> bring some flowers. <laughs> yeah. So I drove like uh like two and a half, three hours to wow. like the middle of fucking nowhere, like to this weird stranger's house. And well, his friend's house is technically his friends. And that was because he was like oh you just have to leave your car parked here you know and we'll drive to my house like we just don't have you know space for your car i was like okay cool we we pull into you know this suburb and i was like wow fancy you know because i'm from a poor like i lived in a trailer yeah not that there's anything wrong with that i still live in a trailer but you know (laughs) um he had like a nice brick house and i had nice cars in the yard it you could tell that they were like Republican family, nice, white, happy family. Mm-hmm. And it only got like a little weird when he snuck me in through the window. He what? <laughs> he snuck me in through his window and I was like, all right. Wow. And I didn't have my car either. So it wasn't like I could be like, I'm leaving. What's, what's wrong with the front door? I wasn't what? supposed to be there. Ah. Yeah. Why though? Didn't his parents like it or what? Like, uh, like they were just super strict, and the fact that he was the age that he was, because like I tended to go for older dudes, like yeah. So he he was like maybe like twenties. He he was twenty something, and like he was still living with his parents. So they were like, "Why are you such a loser?" <laughs> kind of you know disappointed in him a little bit like get a life that's kind of how it was and also he they I'm not gonna say they were racist because when they did meet me at a later time like they never like called me the no, n-word or anything like that it's, it's more subtle than that I know what you mean yeah they're, 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 they're like, gonna if, if you make a mistake they're gonna come down on you harder right something like yeah that. it's kind of so like why can't you be with a nice white girl or something? Mm. I felt like I needed to act white in front of them. Like, I felt like I had to be a different person. How do you act white, though? Like, I felt like I couldn't cuss or anything. And I, like, usually I have a mouth like a sailor. Do you think I act white? (laughs) I mean, like, I, I don't, it's so like this is putting stuff into perspective for me as well like no i understand because it's it's a different like dynamic i think and it is i I mean it it would be the same like if i went across the country as well yeah it's different subcultures and stuff as well right let's be honest 
a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um that it was it was that the first night that I was at that guy's house, you know, after the whole window thing, and I heard something like in the bushes, and I was like, uh-huh. What's in the bushes? <laughs> and don't tell it me it like, came from Omega, did it? <laughs> he opened like like we heard someone start to open the window and I thought we were getting robbed or something. I was like, This this is a nice rich people neighborhood like why are we getting robbed right now <laughs> but he shoves me like into the hall into the bathroom and he's like don't say anything and I was like all right so I'm just like sitting on the like sink and I'm like hmm, this is weird and I can hear him like through the wall because it's right by his bedroom and he's talk like talking in shushed voices to a female obviously and she's like, I know you got that bitch here. Uh-oh. And I was like, oh, my God. And I'm trying so hard, like, to keep my composure. And, like, I felt like I was in a war zone. Like, hostiles everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I was like, damn, it was, it was kind of like getting romantic. But now, you know. Yeah, like, we were quietly watching, you know, TV or whatever. Mm whispering a little bit <laughs> and then someone crawls through the window i was oh. like why is it even unlocked who does that yeah, what it's, it's like romeo and juliet right 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 <laughs> but it turns out it was his he told me it was his ex but he had not broken up with her yet but oh that was unbeknownst to me yeah and my ex crazy eggs was still trying to contact me to get me to like come back because I had done it before where I was like I'm fucking leaving and then I'll just come back but this time was like no uh -uh. (laughs) and he like ended up I don't know how he did it but he ended up getting a hold of like the new guy's ex-girlfriend who was crazy obviously and my ex and his ex ended up dating what what yes yes and he tried to get her pregnant and she moved a state away to live with him at one point i mean that's i mean in a way you go you both got revenge on your ex by hooking those people up if you think about it (laughs) but they made it their goal in life to like make our lives shitty so they would like follow us around the town that he lived in like whenever they would be up there and they would take pictures and places that we had been that day like later on and post them and it was weird it was odd like I, the I'm strangest speechless. thing that's <laughs> like and i i can't imagine like being in a relationship based on a mutual hatred for our exes like how how right that's some tom Tom and jerry kind of shit you know it's so weird (laughs) she ended up actually cheating on like my ex Mm. with his best friend oh so that happened i'm not (laughs) i'm I'm not even shocked anymore at this point so (laughs) yeah and then she ended up moving back like after that and it was just weird because I obviously was not living a state away. Um, And I still had to like work 
and stuff like that. And I had gotten like pulled over for for speeding. And I happened to have weed in the car. So I was I had court cases that I had to be in the state for. Mm-hmm. And um so obviously I could not stay with the dude like 24/7, but one day like I was in the DUI class or whatever because I got charged. They tried to charge me with a DUI, but I ended up getting it dropped, the charge like or reduced because I did the DUI class for weed. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> and while I was sitting in there, like I got a text, and it was like just this video from his like my now boyfriend's ex like well not now but like then my then boyfriend's ex and it was the video and it was of them like having sex what like and i was like oh oh my god how oh my god (laughs) oh yeah yeah and then that came with screenshots and stuff from like him and her talking where they had been seeing each other again stuff like that yeah not fun not fun well when i was growing up when i was growing up i used to find it mildly embarrassing that um, the first time i had a girlfriend i was 24 years old but maybe in hindsight maybe that's not Maybe that's yeah. gonna be a good thing as well. You, know? you saved yourself. <laughs> the guy that I'm with now, he like, um, not to put his business out there or anything, but <laughs> it, like he didn't really date anyone either until like he was 20, 20, mm. 20 when he got with me. <laughs> We've been together almost two years now. <laughs> so, so you're still together now. Yeah, our anniversary is that's next good. month. On the fifth. Let's let's hope it's a happy ending for you then. Yeah. He's a really good dude. Like, I knew him back, like, me, him, and my brother used to hang out and stuff. Mm. So, that was cool. That is cool. Like, I guess that we can can go ahead and hop right on into that. Mm -hmm. How me and him ended up, like, reconnecting because he had, like, moved away and stuff, like, to Texas. (laughs) Not cool. And he did it, like, he told me it was because, like, you know, he had some girl he liked over there, da-da-da-da-da, but turns out it was because he liked me, but he was too afraid to say anything. Oh, yeah, so, so, you get to, so you get the hard-to-get thing, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he wow. moved state, like, halfway across wow. the country. This, yeah. This, yeah. Girl, this girl is my soulmate. Let me cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. but it was all a lie <laughs> but he did move so that wasn't cool but when my mom got out of jail like uh like and I had already you know broken up with cheating guys you know whatever I'd already dated like two other guys after that and then the guy that I was with at the time like my mom got out of prison had just gone to jail for like a drug charge <laughs> and I started to see like this pattern in my life like I started to see the cycle and I was like I'm not becoming my mom 
at all. Like, I already did not get pregnant. I passed that test. Boom. <laughs> well, I, I think what really uh, what really speaks for you is uh, I noticed on several occasions in your story, you were definitely in, in a position that any other girl, being as young as you were, would have become stuck, such as getting the birth control secretly, but also just managing to escape from your eggs and you know, kind of sneaking I guess into the life of a new person. I do think that's yeah. a, I, I do think that's a testament to you, though. I guess uh, if I if I had to give you a compliment, right? <laughs> your personality definitely seems to have some well, some fortitude, right, to choose your own way. I think a lot of yeah. pe- a lot of people would be trapped, right, in those uh, situations, right? But you, at least you had your own, you had the willpower, right? Yeah, be- that, that saved you. Feeling really. that way, yeah, feeling that way, and then like the sudden like suicide of my brother like that Mm. made me a really observant person and I didn't want people to like backstab me or like you know act funny towards me so I would always I always felt I had to be on high alert around people you know because I always felt like they were gonna like shit on me and like that also led me to being proactive though probably well definitely more than I should have and that's why a lot of relationships just went bad because like I was like I'm gonna leave you before you can fuck me over or I'm gonna fuck you over before you can do that to me you know maybe you're not even wrong because people are judgmental you know especially if you've been through all that shit let's be honest people are gonna judge yeah which sucks but that's what that's what it is you know yeah a lot of people think that they can handle it and then they just can't and you know to each their own people grow how you know they grow and go it's whatever (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um but the guy that you know went to jail and stuff for the drug charges he did get me on drugs unfortunately and like hard drugs Mm. and it was not cool at all and it got even worse when like he went to jail and so I was by myself I was having to send him money while he was in jail because his parents were like not doing it and so I was having to like support him and it just wasn't a cool situation what do you need money for in jail though for like commissary to like get snacks and like Ah. stuff like that and um i didn't realize i didn't realize people have expenses in jail maybe i'm ignorant mm-hmm. but... yeah <laughs> yeah they like you can quote unquote work in jail Damn. but you only earn like cents on the dollar or something like and everything is like triple the price in jail basically <laughs> so you're gonna lock me up i'm still gonna have to work damn yeah like it's 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 wild the prison system is is institute is it's slavery like it's legalized slavery i mean <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> it's hmm. not a fun time and but like me being on like the drugs and stuff <clears throat> i ended up of course like with another guy who was doing drugs because my quote-unquote boyfriend like was in jail Mm. and he 
like when he was in there I got like all his belongings and stuff and I, of course I went through his phone and I found out he cheated on me over a hundred times I stopped counting at 114 I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest though like every every, every everything you mentioned so far like from your family <laughs> to, your, to your relationship like 90% of it comes kind of down to drugs doesn't it if you think about yeah, it yeah yeah the the area I'm in be, it being a poverty area there's also a lot of like drug use mm. and stuff like that and it's and it's partly because there's nothing to do here like we have like one movie theater like and it did close down like I mean if I don't have anything to do I'm not gonna do drugs I mean that's a joke but <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I understand that, uh, you know, people who live in a more desperate situation are more looking for an escape, I guess. You know, it's a, yeah, it's a, like it's anything a, for a little excitement. Yeah, you it's, know? A, it's a vicious Just cycle. Just something different. I mean, you go, you, you go through hardship because, I guess, because of the drugs. And mm -hmm. you go through... And they definitely didn't help. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's like, it, it also keeps people down. You know, and it was mm -hmm. so that so that they keep using. I know it's. Yeah. I guess I'm spitting some obvious truth here, but I'm just thinking out loud. But yeah. It's... Yeah. <laughs> but um, I did end up with another dude, like, and I was staying with him for a little bit, and that's when I was like at my worst. Like, I was literally like basically living in a trap house. Like in, in a what? In a trap house, like drugs were coming and going. Oh, like they're like I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the word trap house so i was confused. oh <laughs> it's it's, it, it's a more common here okay <laughs> like, i never heard of it so <laughs> that's basically what it is like a hot spot for like criminal activity basically so. and like um i was on a copious amount of drugs copious and mm. like it just got bad and with my mental health i told you i i've been diagnosed with like bipolar disorder i have depression i've been diagnosed with anxiety like autism like <clears throat> a lot like a list of things <laughs> mm -hmm. that just goes on but would you care uh, to to mention them because i am curious like um well like i said i have the the anxiety mm -hmm. and then bipolar disorder and then later on, I got diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, hmm. which I think was partly, it didn't help that I was on drugs. Like that kind of like skyrocketed me. Into yeah, I mean, going. from what I understand, the, the causes of uh, schizophrenia are a little bit unknown to science, but it's a thing where it's a combination of na nature and nurture, right? It's genetic factors plus uh, environmental factors. Yeah. And one of the environmental factors is definitely drugs, right? If you're mm -hmm. if you're susceptible for it, and um, one of the big risk factors, I guess, is drugs. So that that makes sense. That's yeah, an that's but... an interesting one, though. I think because uh, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. You know. So. Yeah. Um. Whenever like I don't really like to tell anyone that I have schizophrenia because they they obviously will start being like oh so you're crazy but yeah like, but no <laughs> i'm <the>, not <laughs> no i i agree you know the, the thing the thing is that like um, 
books and movies they often depict people with schizophrenia and uh, related mental illnesses like dangerous and violent by the yeah. way I, I should i should put this out there by the way if, if anyone is listening i'm gonna i have to address the viewers for a second but i'm pretty sure schizophrenia right does not mm -hmm. like give you a split personality that is no they, that's a different disorder <laughs> exactly yeah they, they i think that's called dissociative identity disorder and it is completely separate from schizophrenia but each time it's depicted in movies or tv you know it's like oh this this character they have schizophrenia so it's like uh you know they're, they're kind of like golem from lord of the rings you know they give them two personalities yeah I'm really yeah. I'm explaining this in a very crude way, but it's a, I think it's important to put that out there, you know. Yeah. It yeah. it it really is like there's a lot of stigma around it, just like with the drug use thing, there's a lot of stigma around that mm. as well. And <clears throat> but so did you um, experience like uh, hallucinations or yes. Mm. And it's mainly started when I was at that trap house and they left me by myself. Ah. and like my brain was like all over the place like and my house had also gotten robbed like someone came like while I was out and like stole like my xbox my tv and all that other stuff and that um. definitely didn't help with my paranoia because that sent me into overdrive I mean like, it, it, it kind of validates your paranoia while it's while it's delusional paranoia you are also getting validated in those solutions in a way yeah because like i felt like i was hearing stuff like before yeah. like the robbery and it turns out someone had been like sitting outside in my shed like all, like watching my house basically it, it forces you to have like a healthy level of paranoia which kind of excarberates the, the delusional paranoia i suppose if that makes sense yeah but mm. it, like when I started going through it and stuff, like I didn't want to stay at that house anymore. And that house was the same house that my brother had committed suicide at. So it was already like a bad spot for me. Yeah, I <laughs> like, mean, I'd that never totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. <clears throat> it was like, it's just a lot of bad memories, bad vibes, you know, like, and I just didn't like staying there. And that's how I ended up with that other guy at, you know, the trap house. Mm -hmm. And from there, like, I didn't want to stay with the guy anymore. I thought he was the one that took my stuff from my house, you know. It just I didn't want to talk to him. So I ended up in my grandma's closet. Like, and I'm talking like Harry Potter had a better setup than I did. I like, was like, I was like, am I going to bring up <laughs> Harry Potter or is that inappropriate? But you did it for me. <laughs> he had a better setup than I did, like... I, I'm very like I'm very petite like very short but I still had to like I couldn't straighten my legs out all the way and I was like sleeping in this closet oh like God. I would sleep in there I would hardly leave like I dropped to like 60 pounds I think it was wow and like they almost had to put in a feeding tube mm -hmm. and like uh, it was a necessary evil, but it didn't have to go the way it did <clears throat> because what ended up happening was I was having the paranoid, you know, episodes and stuff yes. and it got really, really bad. 
to the point where I was saying, oh, I'm hearing voices like people whispering to me through the walls. Like I'll and I was having to like knock on the wall because my grandpa was like on the other side Mm -hmm. because he's um, he got in a motorcycle accident when I was like 13. And so he's uh, paraplegic, which means like he's paralyzed from like chest down, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like half of his diaphragm and like the rest down. So he's in a hospital bed. So he has to like stay in that one room. So I would knock on the wall whenever I thought I would hear someone or hear something. And if he knocked back, it was real. If he didn't, it wasn't. And like that was like the one thing I was like holding on to, you know, like through me having these like hallucinations and it does sound like on some level you were aware of the hallucinations being hallucinations i guess yeah but it was only because like my mother was like because i was obviously starting just they were trying to get me to come out of the closet they were like you're being kind of weird like "Mm," and but what wasn't helping with yeah. my mother was sitting there being like, you're being crazy. Yeah. Why are you doing yeah. that? Why, why that's, can't you, why can't you be normal in the closet? You know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's literally the thing she was saying to me as I'm having a schizophrenic episode. And I did wow. not know what was going on. She was like, you need to stop acting so crazy. And I was like, what? Yeah. Let, let me, let, let, let me, let me be a, a, a functioning, well-adjusted person here sitting in my closet. Yeah. Uh, like, totally mm. and what i i ended up calling like 911 on myself because it had gotten to the point where i was having such bad hallucinations that i thought that my family was going to kill me and my dog and like my dog i got her for like my birthday like i went to the pound and i rescued her and stuff and like that dog is my life now and she's the only dog i've ever like taken care of so like i will give my life for that dog i'll <laughs> like that's my baby and so when i started having like you know the hallucinations that they were going to kill her i was like oh no <laughs> that oh. is it so Not i ended time. up <laughs> i ended up calling like 911 on myself basically and being like they're trying to kill me you know going on and so officers ended up coming out to the house and like my mom was like oh no she's just off her meds like she's being crazy blah 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 and they left and I was like what (laughs) so I want to comment on this but I see that in one minute is going to cut the call we have to make a new one are you we're up for a new one right yeah right okay i think i can finish it that time around i'm i'm All trying right. to close no up. you're doing you're doing wonderfully really i <laughs> i think you you're in a way you're really charming about it you know just giggling about it kind of <laughs> kind of feels like we're reading a crazy fantasy book like not not to be yeah. little it of course you know i told you it's like i wouldn't have believed it if i have not lived it you know uh, yeah. it sounds so outlandish okay <laughs> let me let me go to the break it's gonna kick us out all right be right back. all right all right. All right. Yes. Three, two, one. Let's go. Okay, we're back. I started missing oh, your it. voice already. You know. <laughs> yeah, because you know, three parts. You know, who who doesn't want three parts of me just talking? Yeah, it's, 
it's, it's one conversation, but uh, <laughs> I do think you have a cute voice, though. <laughs> Usually anyway. people say I sound like a 13-year-old boy. Like, <laughs> oh, man, don't like listen, when I'm on the don't game listen to them. Don't listen to them. <laughs> nah, you don't need a negativity. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, you don't need you, like don't need one. <laughs> you don't need that negativity. Let's let's talk about how you were in the closet. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. No. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's continue. Alrighty. So, um, I was in the closet. You know, I had I had called the I had called nine one one on myself. My mom was like, "Oh, you know, she's just crazy, off her meds, whatever." Mm. <laughs> and they left, but it kept getting worse and the next time that I called them they came and like the EMTs were checking me out and out this is when I was with I was going through withdrawals from mm. drugs so it was really like hard on my body it was really hard on my mind you know <clears throat> but I was trying to get through it mm. and this one particular day it was really really super hard and I had called them on myself because my mom was acting weird or to to my mind, she was acting weird because, you know, she was walking around on the phone talking to someone. She wouldn't get off the phone, even if I tried to talk to her. Mm. Like, I felt like the person on the other line was like the hitman or something. I didn't know. <laughs> but but what was going to you through your mind when you called? Like, um, did you did you realize that it was because of the schizophrenia or I, I like? I was really confused. I was really, really, really confused because like, I knew that we had like mental, a history of mental health issues in our family, but I did not think that it was going to like hit me like that. Like I've done like LSD and stuff like shrooms. I had good mm-hmm. times on it and these hallucinations, like, cause I never really quote unquote hallucinated, like saw like, up like you know how they'll they'll make cartoonish you know in movies or something when people are on lsd like this it was i've never gotten to that point you know it's just a nice trip for me but this was like scary shit like people were like whispering through the walls that i was going to be murdered not cool (laughs) not a vibe well, what I find interesting is people with schizophrenia, they often lack awareness that their difficulties stem from a mental disorder that requires medical attention. So it often falls to family or friends to get them help, right? So I was, yeah. I was, I was wondering, are you the exception to that? Or was it generally your delusions that made you call the police? Or were you aware at some level, like, it, this, is, this is not reality it was it was the delusions mm. because like i was also hearing like these horrible like i still cringe if i hear it now like these it was like a saw sound and like where i was saying there was like a whole bunch of acres acres and acres of land mm. and shit and like i was convinced that the person that i had been staying with that that guy mm. that like my family had like killed him because he got me on the drugs or like because he was like you know feeding me drugs basically like I thought he was trying to kill me at one point like literally actually did because Mm, he he had like he had pre-made like the drugs he was gonna give me and I was like I'm gonna do it and he had done a dose for him 
when he was like three times my size. So, so how how is this nowadays? Because from what from what I understand, um, schizophrenia is is a lifelong uh, uh, psychotic disorder, isn't it? It's chronic. Yeah, yeah. Like I will have episodes where it'll get bad, but mm -hmm. like I, for me, I'd say like my dog is also a grounding thing for me like I try to and I meditate and I know that sounds so cheesy and like no, corny like, eh. I, I like <laughs> I like that word that you use uh, a grounding thing yeah, I try to that's I, it's just easier for, for me to stay grounded and stuff when I have things that I know that are solid and real because I have like I will disassociate sometimes I will like depersonalize mm -hmm. like and have the realizations and think shit like i'm in a simulation like that's been a like a whole episode for me where i was convinced yes like and it it I, everything was pointless to me then because nothing was real you know yeah that, that's i think that's a, a common persistent delusion that people have yeah yeah and but the grounding thing and remembering stuff like and I've kind of become a hoarder because stuff like from my brother that I kept and like just things that I have you know deep rooted memories with I like to keep because that's what reminds me you know hey you're you're real this is real you know like that these things for sure are real and yeah. aren't gonna hurt you like and that yeah. really helps me. I mean, not to sound pretentious, but uh, in the end of the day, memories is all that we are, aren't we? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, and, it's on some level it's a cute concept, you know, just grounding things. I don't know why. It's kind of yeah, it's cute in a way. It's kind of like like my house has kind of become like a crow's nest of just like little things that like mean a lot to me. <laughs> It's like a big memoir type thing when you go through my house. So, so how, I should ask you, how old are you today? Uh, 22. I turned 22 oh, this year. Oh, you are so young. You're <laughs> a small grasshopper, really. <laughs> yeah. Really, you are. There's a, I'm sure there's a lot more uh, experiences waiting for you. I hope good ones. I, I hope, hope they're good sure. ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You you build a massive crow's nest, like a, <laughs> a stork nest. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, okay, yeah, I didn't want to get like off track. Um, but when um I was withdrawing from the drugs, <laughs> and I ended up calling, you know, now we're one on myself again, like that time when the EMTs were checking me out that's when I was I was more towards coming out of the like hallucinate the, the hallucinations and stuff mm -hmm. and becoming more clear-headed and I told the EMTs straight up I was like I'm coming off of drugs um I'm I'm good now like I realize you know I'm not in any danger da, da, da. and they were gonna let me go and then there was like a knock on the outside of the um, ambulance. 
and it was a cop and they had talked to you know my mom and she had told them and this this is true she didn't lie but like come on now because like before I had called them when I was still in the closet she was trying to make me come out and like I did put a knife to my throat okay trigger warning sorry but I did and I was like I wonder if this is what you know my brother felt like you know before he did it and that's what I said because she was trying to pull me out the closet and I did not want to come out mm-hmm. like leave me alone <laughs> I'm trying to keep my sanity well, in the closet I, I apologize <laughs> if this is if this is a dark question but were you bluffing or were you prepared to go through with it then at that moment I think like the feeling that I was feeling it was real but I really just wanted her to leave me alone. I understand. Like, please get away from me. Because she's, like, very yeah, in so your it's, face. It's, and more, like, it's, it's more, more like a fight or flight response kind of thing. Yeah, because so you, so you she to had extremes. me cornered. Like, she, because like, I was in the closet. <clears> and I told you I couldn't even stretch out my legs. And she opens yeah. the door to the closet. And she's standing yeah. in the doorway. Sorry like, if that's a, that's a heavy question. But I was just kind of... It, it, no it's it's totally cool like that's i felt like a fucking caged animal like at that moment like i just wanted out yeah. like and i at that time like when i was sitting in the closet i had kind of made it up like in my head that i would like die in there basically like whether it be by my own hand or by someone else's because i had no motivation to really do anything at all mm-hmm. like and that's why I just wasn't leaving like I became a recluse and like I didn't even want to go outside and I I just didn't know what to do like and it ended up with me being 10 13 which is like she told them about the incident that had happened which she didn't call them and tell them hey my daughter is being suicidal you know da, 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 da. she waited until I called them on myself to tell them the situation that happened and so at that That's point very they, yeah they took my rights away and I had to be put in the hospital for a week where I didn't see the sun and I didn't get to shower in the hospital so, yeah I mean, that's, that's, that's something you would expect in prison, but in the hospital? The, the hospital in our town is notorious for bullshit. My God. Like, you'll go for a headache and you will leave with a terminal illness. I mean, <laughs> reflecting about all of this, you know, this, this is going to sound so cliche, but I would almost say it's, it's not just you, it's the system, you know, it is, sounds so cliche, but like everything, yeah. everything is against you at some level, isn't it? Like, let's be real. Yeah. And I hate to say that because I don't know like, it's like it's we were true, saying, it's like true. you have to take you accountability, but like some of these things, like you yeah. just gotta be like, man, no, <laughs> fuck accountability. Seriously. <laughs> Like, can, can a bitch catch a break sometimes, you know? <laughs> Just give me a crumb, a little bit yeah. of serotonin. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong, man. It's like... <sighs>
but when I got out finally oh my god like I was actually looking into suing like doing a lawsuit against the hospital for like neglect because like I also was trying to blame like the schizophrenia thing on like an ear problem that I was having I mean I think that was like me in denial I mean you you probably have the um I guess the the genetic, uh, how do you call it? The genetic predisposition for um, mental health disorders. But like you, you, it's important not to pin everything on that, right? It's not important because, you know, we are responsible for some things in life, but it's important not to take those things and pin everything on the small amount of responsibility we have while ignoring the many times we are completely and utterly powerless, which is just how reality is. In a lot of cases, we are simply just powerless and we get fucked. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah, that was a little rant there. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, but it's true, right? Sometimes yeah. sometimes you can blame the system. We should do that more. <laughs> I destroy the system. Like, we've a love revolution. Yeah. Let's, let's go. <laughs> I mean, being born with issues, right? It, 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 again there's there are reasons and there are justifications and maybe being born troubled in a, in a certain way i hate saying that because you know it's very difficult to judge if someone is born troubled or not but mm-hmm. some things are definitely more genetic or you know just the circumstances that you are born in and you know what i i think it's just kind of important to reflect on the things that you didn't have a say in and being born a certain way doesn't mean that you know doesn't doesn't justify uh, I guess not being taken care of the appropriate way because I, I think people do have a right in some level to receive help and it's you know yeah. I mean you don't you don't seem like one of those people who would say you know I deserve it uh, for having schizophrenia but I know that that, or that there would be a lot of people who would look at their mental health disorders and they will just say, well, it's all on me, right? Because I am this way. But being that way, being that way doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't justify being let down in a way like yeah. this. That's, yeah. that's what really what I'm trying to say. I, I yeah. ramble I ramble a lot because English is not my native language, but that's important. I, right? Like, you're really good, though. Like, I, I don't want to say you're really good at it because, like, that sounds... You're really good at talking. Like, I'm no. trying. I'm trying. <laughs> but like, I, without like you having the accent or anything, I wouldn't have been able to tell, most likely. <laughs> well, good. My accent keeps me a little bit exotic, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but, but seriously, that's, that's how your story made me feel. Like maybe there's... Uh, it's 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 difficult you know to think about how how we are responsible for certain things in life but on the other hand we are we we are we are we are accountable but powerless at the same time like how does that work you know yeah you're you're, you're accountable for the things that happen to you but but how much you know there's a limit to how accountable you are yeah there's a limit there there's been times like because I only hit, you know, like the, I'd say like the key traumatic events in my life really that I feel like shaped me and like, or like tried to shape me, you know, but you know, (laughs) and 
but there's still like a so much more loss and like just bullshit you know because a lot of it didn't occur to me that there could be people in the world that have not experienced like the death of a loved one or anything i like, haven't my boyfriend hasn't either like and it's so it's such a like weird concept to me because like i've had like just off the top of my head like six people that like i cared for like or like loved you know had a relationship with in my life just either unexpectedly just die or like something like that well like, let me let me talk talk about myself a little bit but mm -hmm. i had a i have a relatively normal upbringing i have a relatively normal childhood i have never lost a loved one or a family member or i i don't even know what grief like that feels like right i mean mm. i i am i am not free of issues for example i do i have a diagnosis of autism um mm -hmm. but i also have two very supportive and protective middle class parents who support everything i do so uh You know, I, I'm I'm careful with throwing the word privilege around because it gets very politicized. But yeah, in a way, yeah. like I, I have grown up, I am like one of those grass-fed cows, you know, who produce the best <laughs> milk and they've, they've been sheltered from most of the <laughs> problems in their life. Yeah. And, and when I had problems in my life, my parents were there to bail me out. So, but that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast, you know, because I am clueless, but it's... It's actually so much more common than you realize that stuff like this happens to people constantly. Yeah. You know, and to more people in your surroundings than you imagine. And it's, I think yeah. it's important to give it some level of consideration, isn't it? Yeah. That's and I, like, that's why it's, it's good to like treat everyone with kindness, you know, unless they give you a reason not to. Sometimes you just gotta slap a bitch. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, if they put you in the closet, you can, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah but mm. like it just you really never know what someone's actually like going through like in their head and mm -hmm. stuff like that and like I know that even before I you know had had like my episodes and stuff started having them that I kind of even was like you know oh you're crazy about some stuff mm -hmm. I would be like you know weird about it so how are you doing nowadays how do you uh, feel um, like i'm i know that i'm doing a lot better mentally now like uh after you know i um got out of the hospital i ended up like reconnecting with my now boyfriend and like we ended up moving like it was like that same month that i got out of the hospital We ended up moving in with one of my brother's ex-wives hmm. and we stayed with her a little bit in another state until that went sideways, but that was stupid. <laughs> but um, we have our own house now. We just got our own house. Oh, that's and good. It's good to dog. not be dependent on people. You know, that's, that's where you often get fucked over, where you depend on someone. Yeah, that's really what happened there. Because we were states away, you know, we were working and everything, but like yeah. we were still living in her house, her rules. And one day we had a like a argument or whatever you want to call it, disagreement. And mm -hmm. like 
that same day like we were basically like homeless oh my god and it was like we were about to get our own apartment like there too and that's really where I want to go back to because like I do photography and stuff and like I would take my dog to the the uh, little mm-hmm. national parks and stuff like every day like she have a blast so, and here so, I can't do that really is that your hobby like nature photography or you know just yeah. just to add some light-hearted stuff I guess but uh, yeah I, I like to do like macro photography and stuff like that insects uh, yeah uh, I'm, that's yeah. how you know me <laughs> yep <laughs> like I got a camera my first professional like digital camera last year no year it was the year before last I think um for like my birthday and like I've been trying to work up the money to get a lens for it because I got like the two basic lenses and then I want the zoom lens so that I can get like the really nice details Uh, those are expensive as fuck they are (laughs) and like we had an emergency hospital visit with my dog recently and she's got like glaucoma she needs to have surgery on her eye Mm. and we just got the house and everything so the camera kind of got put on the back burner you know the lens (laughs) for now well you're young i'm pretty sure it will come your way at some point yeah like there's a lot of pressure like because there are people that i've graduated with that are you know married with like whole children whole children whole children like like crawling and stuff like what (laughs) and i'm just here with my two cats and my dog and my snails (laughs) i mean ah nothing against having children i guess but like yeah that's that's often where the cycle repeats doesn't it if you rush into that yeah and like that's where you get to, to the start of your story it usually yeah. sta- it starts with that and it ends with that and it continues. So maybe in a way it's breaking the cycle, some way. Yeah. Hopefully, like because I have uh, a my cousin, who, like we grew up together really close. Like we're not as close as we were, but she was only born like a month after I was, and so we're the same age and everything. But she has like a son now and stuff like that. So I have a godson, but like our lives are completely different, like Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, motherhood and stuff like that. Like, well, and I I already facing the cycle, like you have to face it. I already feel emotionally invested in the the rest of your life now, but uh, (laughs) I'm rooting for you to go well, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) positive updates i think i hope but uh, yeah <laughs> you never know what life brings though yeah that's neither but a good that's neither a good I, or a bad thing i guess but i think i've had my feel of bad <laughs> at least for a little while <laughs> yeah but but what's a feel right yeah <laughs> true i mean <laughs> People are really into stuff like karma and stuff, but like, I don't subscribe to that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah universe, like, it definitely dishes out to more to some people than others. Like, it's maybe depressing to emphasize that, but maybe it isn't, you know? 
Because it's something you have to accept. It's part of reality. It's part of life. And we can only make everything more fair for everyone. If we recognize the game was rigged in the first place, right? If you deny that, yeah. if you like uh, want to stay willfully ignorant about it, fact, then you, you can never... Think, don't think we can ever create like a better better living conditions for everyone if we yeah, assume as, if we, as, yeah, if, if we assume that every, everyone deserves what they're getting right that's not true yeah you gotta meet reality like on its terms like head on like because that's just what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> and how it is like and so <laughs> it sucks that it be that way but sometimes it do <laughs> yeah i mean objectively speaking reality kind of sucks yeah <laughs> I am a by it the way I, if we could fly maybe I, I'm saying this as, as somebody who is generally optimistic but like you have to recognize it for what it is if you, know, if you want to be if you want to have optimism you know yeah I remember back when you know my brother <clears throat> had died and stuff I was talking to one of my friends and they were like you know oh well they just said something really naive and I was like, I cannot wait until the world just like chews you up and spits you out because they had said something like um, that they were glad that they had never, you know, dealt with like they're white. OK, just to mm-hmm. start off. But they had never really dealt with like any racial issues or stuff like that. And I was like, I wonder why <laughs> in this majority, the majority of the population being white, like especially here in our town and you're gonna say that (laughs) there's a reason why no one has like bullied you for being white (laughs) it's just wild some some people like now of course she's grown she's experienced a little bit more of life which i knew would happen it just happened to me a little sooner (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i'm a little nihilistic i am sometimes but I mean, if I expect the worst when the worst happens. It's not that bad. <laughs> That's a way to look at it, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the same in some way, even though I haven't really remotely experienced the things that you did. But I do think, um, you know, I do think if anything, it's, it's a testament to your character that at some moments in your story, the key decisions that you made you stuck up for yourself even at moments that most people wouldn't have, I guess. Yeah. So that's like that's a it's testament really to hard it. for like you know someone to do that at all to like stand up when you know you feel like you're on your own. I wonder where you got that from. Like, I kind of like I want to say that I kind of raised myself to a degree. And me being raised by, like I said earlier, the older generation stuff, I matured a lot faster mm-hmm. and, a, and like, a lot differently than everyone else around me did, mm-hmm. basically. Like, because my cousin wasn't raised, you know, by the same people. She was raised by her mom, by my aunt, so, <clears throat> and by her dad. So, like, <clears throat> it's a lot different yeah i understand like because my parents would be working or something so i would have to you know cook and stuff at the house for myself i think that because of that you know 
whatever life kind of throws you away, I guess. Maybe that's a crude way to say it. I don't know. In a certain sense, I feel like whatever happens, you at least at least you would make the decision to choose for yourself. And maybe that's a consolation in, in a certain level. To me, it feels like it kind of it is, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> it took me a while to realize that like in life you like you shouldn't want to like live to cater to other people like you should like focus on your happiness yeah you should while for, also, you should sim for youtubers yeah yeah, yeah. like it, it's you first and <laughs> you have to realize that like yeah, yeah, yeah. and it took me a while i thought i was like an emotional support human and that's literally what i would call myself and I would, I was there at everyone's beck and call because I didn't want anyone to feel like what I had felt like or what I felt like my brother had felt like mm-hmm. when he did that. Like I was determined, <laughs> like after I got over my, you know, rage, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like just at everyone's beck and call on hand and foot doing whatever. Like, but that put me in some shitty situations as well because I was just like, you know, I was stretching myself too far. Yeah, like I what I wanted did not even matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. But sometimes you got to be a brat, <laughs> I guess. No, no, I think I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. For me, it's hard to imagine that, you know, to get to that point. But maybe that's why I want to talk about it as well. That's just a perspective that a lot of people will just, I guess, never have on their plate. So, yeah, yeah. we have, I see that we have, uh, we have 10 minutes left, by the way. Is there anything you would like to talk about or ask? We've talked um, a lot. And uh, first of all, I want to say, I appreciate you sharing everything. I think that you're an excellent storyteller, really. Thank you. And I'm blown away by how open you are about everything. I've said this multiple times, maybe because I'm a little bit shocked. But uh, thank you. And in a way, you have more balls than me, for sure, you know. (laughs) I'm just a sheltered little uh, YouTube bitch white boy, right? (laughs) Right. Oh, no. (laughs) And it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. But at least you have, like, the mind to want to, like, hear about other people's experiences and not just put them like on the back burner you know i think i do (laughs) like a lot of people were were, would just be fine you know just ignoring like the facts of life i guess you could say or whatever you know but for me me, one thing that helped is um because for my work because i study insects and for my work i have to travel a lot so I worked in countries like Laos, like Cambodia, like Brazil. I've been in the, the Dominican Republic, all nice countries in their own respect. Um, I enjoyed my time in all, each one of them. But in these places, you know, it's much more on the surface how much inequality there is. And for me, that was my eye opener. Because I'll be honest, when I was young, like in my early 20s, I, I guess at some level, I think I was kind of ignorant to that too, you know. Mm. My, my attitude was also more like, you know, the universe is a meritocratic thing. And uh, if, if you are, you know, if, if you are worth nice things, then the universe will reward you with nice things. And if you are not deserving of that, then, uh, then you, the universe will give you like bad conditions. 
And I don't say child is worldview, but in some level, it's a worldview I grow up with. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, but it was, I mean, this is this is a long time ago, right? This is like mm -hmm. we're talking ten years ago at least, maybe when I was a close to a teenager, mm -hmm. going into an adult. But it's it's nice sometimes to. Well, I wouldn't say it's nice to see it, but it's important to see it, you know? Yeah, I mean, important, uh, definitely. Thing is, inequality is everywhere, but in some places on earth, it's definitely more visible. You know, if you just walk on the street, you can see it. And uh, that, that I think in some level that helped me, you know? Because yeah. uh, I know I went, to I went to Cambodia. I met people who make uh, like $1 a day doing like work that is... 10 times more heavier than the work that I do. And then kind of I wish like I that. could travel. <laughs> well, yeah, it makes you it make it makes you think. It, it does. Made me think. And uh, I, 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 rem I remember meeting very relatable people who uh, they also wanted to study butterflies and moths, right? And they asked me how I did it. They said, Well, you mm -hmm. have to I said, why don't you just uh, you know check the internet, go to a library, and you can learn. And I said, well, how? I can't afford books. I was like, damn. That's here, like textbooks and stuff. Oh, it's outrageous. Student loan. That's why I didn't go to college, too, honestly. Because, like, I don't need a piece of paper to prove that I can take pictures for one. <laughs> I mean, and, like, the thing is, my hobbies, for me personally, they are. It's very important that I can pursue them. And I never realized if I was born on the other side of the world, like I wouldn't even be able to afford the, the education to just to learn about them. Something as simple as the internet or books, you know, or a smartphone you can use to look it up. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to, to do all the stuff that I do now. Part of that is, I mean, part of that is also because I was born in the right family who supports my silly Going off on a on a contingent here about myself, but I guess it ties into what we said. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so uh, we have five minutes left, by the way. Five minutes. Let's go. Alrighty, we made like good good work here. Yeah, <laughs> lots of content. <laughs> I mean, we could keep going, but I think we kind of covered most of your life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anything you still want to share? Five minutes. Uh. <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. Like nothing really pops up. Like hmm. I think I hit all the key points. You can if ask me something if you want. Oh no! Now my brain went completely like <laughs> blank. <laughs> I know that I wanted to go to Brazil though. I know I want to go there just because I've seen some of the ruins and stuff. Ruins and like, yeah, I think like, I think that's what it was. I don't know. I saw them in like this video. Mm -hmm. and it was just this girl like walking through them and it, it just looked really beautiful like really green and vibrant and you could just hear like the birds and it was just great like because I like going out for photography like early in the mornings or like because when the dew is still on the ground and stuff like that and everything just looks more vibrant to me for some reason oh, I, I've and, seen I've seen massive forests there but I haven't seen any ruins yet but it like I'm it just might be the word I'm using for it because it was like remnants of like stone like building looking things like columns or something <clears throat> but it looked really nice it looked aesthetic to me <laughs> it is 
It is. Okay, three minutes. What do you say? Should we end it or? or, or? Um. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good okay, first. Okay. But before episode. we end it, before we end it, I want to say uh, thank you, I guess, for talking to me. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, we thank spend you for listening. <laughs> we spent a lot of more time talking than I, I expected, to be honest. Um, and <laughs> in a certain way, you you kind of feel like someone I could talk to for hours, to be honest. You, yeah, you <laughs> have. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, really, really. So you have. Yeah. I need to be like as open as because when you're open, other people like will feel that you know. Yeah. It it didn't feel like a podcast. It felt like we were just sitting in a bar or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Serafina, for uh, coming to the podcast and being in the first episode. And uh, I wish you well. All right. I wish you well as yes, well. <laughs> I, wish you, I wish you more well. Okay, let's not do it. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. All right, bye. Later. <laughs>
I think we have a rose-colored spirit. Rhodopneuma. That is my name for the podcast. My favorite moth, but also a very poetic name. Last but not least, it is totally original. You guys have no idea how popular podcasts are nowadays. Almost every name I tried to come up with was taken. Almost everything. Everyone and their mother and their sister and their cat and their dog nowadays has a podcast, including me. But that does mean that coming up with an original name is very challenging. And it turns out this name was not taken. So that's a win-win. I think it's a beautiful name. It's a reference to some of the things I do with insects, which are unrelated to this podcast. But it kind of ties into the things I like. But it also ties into this optimistic sentiment of our pink, our rose-colored, which is not the same as pink, I guess, spirit. Thanks for listening. Last but not least, this is a brand new podcast. That means that right now, we don't have any viewers. We don't have any subscribers. Zero. If you are listening to this right now, you are one of the first people who is listening to my podcast. And in order to be successful, the first thing we need is viewers. We need people to listen to this. We need people to share it. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with your friends. Consider sharing it with your family. Copy the link. Play it at work. Download it. Play it in your car when you're driving. Listen to it with headphones while you're in the train. The chill thing about podcasts, it's not very visual. You can kind of do your own thing. You can study and play it in the background and relax listening to the audio. But above all, the first thing that we read right now is viewers and listeners. If you like this podcast, please consider sharing it with your friends, your family, your relatives, or anyone who is interested in this podcast and who could think that some of the experiences and things that happen during our conversation may be relatable. I would like to get viewers. And only then, only if there is animosity, only if there is interest in it podcast, we can upgrade the quality. For example, we are using the free version of Zoom, which is annoying, which means every 40 minutes there is an interruption because the free version only allows 40-minute calls. This is kind of annoying, but it's possible to work around it by starting new calls indefinitely. It's not big of a problem, but I would consider paying for the business version if there was interest in this show. But it's hard to know that beforehand, isn't it? I kind of have to test the waters, have to read the room. See how many people are sitting at home listening to this, thinking it is nice. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's inspirational. Who knows? I have to do a little bit of an experiment. And you are part of that experiment, dear listener, because you can help me make it or break it. First few episodes are going to be the most important. I'm going to see how much people share it, how much people listen to it, how much people are interested in these stories. And based on that, I will decide to make more episodes. Last but not least, I want to end it with a compliment to Serafine. This is my first podcast. I am very inexperienced. I don't really know how to interview people. I have 
little life experiences. I'm kind of vanilla. I haven't went through many hardships in my life, but I am interested in hearing people's stories. Serafine, if you're listening, you are probably the best guest I could ever have had on the first episode. You are funny, you are charismatic, you are very open about your experience. And overall, I think it was very inspirational. And I immediately feel very energized to keep going. I feel very energized now to start interviewing more people because this experience was much more positive than I thought it would. I managed to connect to someone in the United States who faced a lot of issues in their life that are completely alien to me, including, well, you've heard it. You've listened to the episode. I don't have to repeat it. But some of these things, I can't wrap my head around it. And I think that's part of what makes it fun. My ignorance. Last but least, I don't aspire to be an online therapist. I don't have all the answers to life. I am not here to listen to people's problems and to tell them about their problems. I am not here to tell people how to fix their life. I am not here to give people advice. I am not here to be like Dr. Phil. I don't have all the answers to life and I am not in a position to give advice to others. For sure. See me more as an equal. I am an interested person who would, who would like to have a conversation with you. Someone who hasn't been through some of these experiences but is curious about them. Someone who isn't a professional. Someone who may end up accidentally saying inappropriate things because he is ignorant about these things. It could happen. I am ignorant. That is just how it is. But I think that's what makes it fun. Because it is not just me being a condescending influencer, giving advice to people who have problems, like I'm some kind of Dr. Phil, like I'm some kind of life guru. No, it's different. I am also learning from the people that I'm interviewing myself. As someone who had a sheltered life with little issues, although I do have issues, but we'll bring that up in a later episode. But little issues, definitely more insignificant than some of the people I've interviewed. And therefore, I feel like talking to them isn't just me educating them. It is them educating me. Thank you guys for listening. This was the first episode of the Rodo Pneuma podcast. I hope to see you again. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, please leave a comment. Email me. Find me on Facebook. Find me on YouTube. My name is Bart Coppins. You know where to find me. And if you think that you are a person who has had unusual, strange, weird life experiences that are worth talking about, this can be something very dark. It can be even as dark as abuse or trauma, but it doesn't have to be. It can be lighthearted. It can be something like, I won the lottery. As long as it's unusual, weird, and worth talking about, then you could be welcome on my podcast. I've had a lot of requests already, and I cannot interview everyone. Sorry, but I will try my best. You will also have to be a consenting adult. This is important.
a consenting adult to be on my podcast. <sighs> that was it. I have a lot of stuff to think about. Thank you, Seraphine. You were an excellent guest. See you next episode.